I am Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, writing this letter to all those who are followers of Christ. Defend the faith, guard your hearts, and cherish the gift of salvation that was given to you. Be wary of those who are misrepresenting God's word. Our Lord Jesus told us that they will cause division, confusion, and participate in their own destruction. Keep up your guard. Build up your faith by hearing and obeying God's word. Pray in the spirit and rely on God's love and mercy. Show love and care for those who do not yet know Jesus. Be tender with unbelievers, but not soft on sin. Remember, this life in Christ is the real, unending life. And now to him who keeps us safe, our amazing Jesus, all glory, majesty, power, and authority are his, both now and forevermore. Well, it's great seeing everybody today. We're so glad you're here. And for those of, of you who are our guests on both campuses, we're so grateful that you're a part of, uh, of this service on the Missouri City campus or the Sugarland campus. And I want to welcome our Missouri City campus to the Sugarland campus. We are one church in two locations and two languages, in Spanish and in English. And we're so grateful that you're part of this service today. Well... One year from now, or actually less than a year from now, we will be one church on three locations, and God is moving us to a new location at the Richmond-Rosenberg area, and we're very, very excited about what God is doing. Uh, the best is yet to be, and we're about to experience even more of the blessings of God. We've been going through the book of Jude together in the month of June, and it's been a great time. I've never actually preached through the book of Jude before. This has been a lot of fun for me in studying, and I hope that you've learned a few things as I've learned a few things as we've walked through this book together. Now, uh, today is the last message in the series, and I want to talk to you about our part and God's part in changing us. And Jude talks about that in Jude chapter 1, verses 20 to 25. You know what? I have never had anyone say to me that they wanted to be worse. Oh, I can't wait till next year so it'll be worse in my life. I've never had anybody say that. Everybody wants to be better. I've never had anybody who have said to me that I want to be dumber. They all say they want to be wiser. All of us are that way. And the fact is, we want to live a life that matters. We want to make the most out of our life. Isn't that true? We want to make a difference in our life. We want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And all these things that we want to have about our life, God wants to be about our life too. God wants us to learn how to love deeper, love each other deeper, love Him deeper. He wants us to learn how to have a deeper sense of joy in our heart, a joy that the world can't take away from us. He wants to, us to learn how to have a deeper sense of peace all the way to the depths of our being, and a deeper sense of peace with others and with God, and a greater sense of patience and of goodness and of kindness and of faithfulness and a greater sense of self-control. All these areas that I've just mentioned are all called the fruit of the Spirit. And God is wanting to build these things into our life. Why? Because these are the characteristics of the nature of Jesus Christ. 
God's greatest goal in all of our lives is that we would be more like Jesus Christ. And when we came to see that as a church and we saw that this is what God's greatest goal for all of us is, we said, God, could we get in on what you are doing? It's called the Great Commission, coming to know Christ as Savior and growing in in our relationship with God. And we have put it together in these words. It's called our purpose statement. And would you say our purpose together? Our purpose is to love and lead all people to life change in Christ. It's all about life change, changing our life to be more and more like Jesus Christ. So how do we do this? Well, Jude wants to explain it to us. And so I've asked my grandson named Jude if he would come. He has come every week of this series. And now, one more time, and I'm going to ask him if he would read our passage of Scripture together. Jude, verses 20 through 21 and 24 through 25. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. To God who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Great job, Jude. Jude is teaching us how to experience this life change that God wants in our life. So there's a part of it that is our part and a part of it that's God's part. So let's look at our part first. What is my part in changing my life? What is my part? Well, in Jude chapter 1, verse 21, Jude says to us that a day is coming for all of those who know Jesus Christ as Savior to spend eternity in heaven forever with God. Do I hear an amen from either of these campuses? Amen. One day, you and I will spend eternity with God in heaven and eternity with people that we know that love God, that have committed their heart by faith to Jesus, members of our family, members of our church, all of those who have given their heart to Jesus Christ. But between now and then, between now and heaven, we've got a job to do. God has intended for us to be deliberate about seeing our lives change. And that is what Jude is saying in verse 20. He is telling us, keep building yourselves up. Keep growing intentionally. Keep putting your effort into this life change. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Now, before we get started, I want to make sure that we're on the same page. The Bible teaches us that we are saved by God's grace, not by our good deeds. You know what? I mention this pretty often, and I do it for a reason. Because all of the man-made religions in the world, all of them agree that the way you get to heaven is by being good. 
try harder, be better. Maybe when God sees all these great things that you're doing and all this great life you're living, maybe God will let you into heaven. All the world's religions believe that very thing and teach that very thing except Christianity. The New Testament teaches over and over and over again that you and I cannot save ourselves. We cannot be good enough to ever get to heaven. But even though the Bible teaches that, sometimes we Christians pick up what other people are saying. And I've heard Christians say, you know, he lives such a good life. I'm sure that he's in heaven. But the problem is, is that good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. This is what the Bible teaches. Now, the truth is, what we call good, God doesn't necessarily call good. God says there is none righteous. There is none good. And why? Because God does not compare us with each other. God compares us with his perfection. And all of us come under the perfection of God. No, we cannot ever get our way to heaven by being good. We can only get to heaven by the grace of God. So you say, well, how do you know that to be true? Well, all these other world religions say that you can get to heaven by being good. How do you believe, why do you believe that that's not true? Well, look at what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. Did you hear that? Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done so that none of us can boast about it. Here is the truth. We do not work for our salvation. We work from our salvation. Our salvation comes by the grace of God, not by the goodness of us. But once we come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior, now we are to work in our life to grow and, and to develop, develop, to be like Jesus Christ as much as we possibly can. The onus is on us. We have a part of seeing our life change. Now, our church is a part of helping, but our church can't change anybody. Only God can change us, and it's only when we are willing to do the hard work of that change. So what is it that we're to do? What does Jude tell us to do? Well, he actually tells us to do four things. First of all, he says, I want you to build up your faith. See what he says in verse 20? And, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. What Jude is saying is that I want you to build up your trust in God so that every day that you live your life, you are living your life in faith. You are building up your trust in God. So how do we do that? How do we build up our faith in God, our trust in God? Well, it begins by reading God's Word putting the Word of God into our heart. It begins by reading the Word of God, by listening to the Word of God, by studying the Word of God, by memorizing God's Word. I've said to you many times that there is almost not a day that ever goes by in my life that I am not either reading the Bible or I'm having the Bible read to me. I've got some Bible apps on my phone, and when I'm on my way to work or on my way to some place or some appointment, oftentimes what I do is just listen to the Bible all the way there. 
The Bible was actually written to be spoken for people to actually hear the Bible. And so oftentimes, whenever I'm going somewhere, I will listen to the Bible. I gain so many things that I did not understand when I was just reading the Bible myself. I will read the Bible. I will listen to the Bible. I will study the Bible. I'll memorize the Bible. The way that we grow in our faith is by bringing God's Word into our life. Did you know every day I eat food and every day I eat the food of the, of the Word of God. I need food for my body, and I need the food of the Word of God for my spirit. Every day that we choose not to be in the Bible, we're actually starving our spirit. If you will take God's Word into your heart, it is amazing what will begin to happen. When you begin to ask questions, God, what are you saying for me to do? How am I to change? What promise am I to take that I have now heard from your Word? Or what, what command am I to do in my life? When we begin to do that, God begins to change us from the inside out. But there is another thing that needs to happen. God begins to test what it is that we're learning from His Word. You know, when you're in school, uh, you, after a period of time, after all these lectures you'd gone through and all these things you had learned in school, there had to be a test every so often to make sure that you were grasping what it is that you were supposedly learning. Well, God does that in our life too. In fact, almost every day, you and I actually experience a test, a trial that happens in our life that sort of tests how much are you really learning from God's Word. There is a second thing that needs to happen. The first is reading God's Word. The second one is embrace being tested by God. Embrace this testing even if it's creating pain in your life. Listen to what he says in James chapter 1 verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity of great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. In other words, stop for a moment. In other words, instead of complaining to God, I can't believe I'm going through this test. I can't believe I'm going through this painful moment. I can't believe that a loving God would let me experience this. Instead of uh, being angry with God or upset with God or frustrated about what you're going through, he says, let it happen in your life. Embrace this test that is going on in your life. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be spiritually mature and complete, needing nothing. I've spent almost this entire week with a toothache. Uh, it started at the first of the week, and actually it became a teeth ache. I got three teeth that is connected somehow through, I've been to the dentist and, and I got a great dentist, he's so smart, and he explained to me that there are roots of three of these teeth that are all together here that interlock with each other. They, they wrap around each other. So I got one bad boy up there, but it's making two other guys scream. And so I got three teeth that are giving me some trouble and it's been pretty much all week long. When I went to the dentist, we went through all the diagnostics. We took all of the x-rays and all that sort of thing, looked it over really well. But we couldn't come, or he couldn't come, to a conclusive decision of which is the bad guy. 
No matter what we looked at, we weren't quite sure. And here's what the dentist said to me. He said, you know, sometimes it's better to wait instead of react. You see, it's all infected up there now, or at least it was, and all infected and all screaming and all, the, all that stuff. So what he did is he gave me antibiotics to sort of get rid of the infection, and he gave me some painkillers in order to be able to endure the period of time. And I've got great news for you. First of all, the, the antibiotics seem to be working. Everything seems to be calming down now, and I am beginning to suspect that it was not the tooth that I thought it was. It is actually probably a different tooth. And good news, the painkillers worked some of the time <laughs> this week. And so, we're moving toward a resolution. But you know, I thought about what my smart dentist said. He's so right. He said, you know, I've learned that sometimes you need to wait instead of reacting. Because sometimes if you just react, you actually start working on the wrong tooth. And I realize that's true about a whole lot of things in our life. It's true about marriage. Sometimes when we're in the middle of pain, we try to fix what is not broken, and we end up breaking something that's already fine because we don't wait. Sometimes that happens in relationships. Sometimes that happens at work. Sometimes that happens in different areas of our life. That The important thing sometimes in our life is to wait until we really understand so that we don't react when we're in the midst of pain. God wants to use pain in our lives sometimes. It's the way he gets our attention. So one of the things that we need to do is to bring the Word of God into our heart, and then when we go through those times of testing, even when it causes pain, to embrace those times of testing in our life. When we're tested and we obey, even when we don't want to do it, it is amazing the spiritual growth that begins to happen in our life. Acts chapter 20 verse 32 says it this way, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Let the word of God begin to build you up. Don't push it away. Receive it. And when the times of testing comes, don't become angry with them. Receive it. Re embrace, embrace them. Because what happens is every time you read and obey the Bible, you are changing for the good. You're actually growing, you're actually maturing, and you're becoming stronger. This is the first thing that Jude tells us. Then Jude says to us, pray in the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? Well, to pray in the Holy Spirit means to let the Holy Spirit guide you to pray in accordance with God's will. Every time the Holy Spirit is guiding your life, He is guiding you to the will of God. We went through what we called 40 days of prayer together as a church this spring, and one of the principles that we learned in the series of the 40 days of prayer was simply this, that when you want what God wants, then you can have whatever you want. When you want what God wants, then you can have whatever you want, whatever you pray for. If it is the will of God, you're going to get it because it is what God wants for you. Let me tell you, God only wants the best for you. 
He doesn't want to steal good things from your life. He wants to give you the best things. He doesn't want to keep anything from you that you really need. He wants to give you exactly what you need. God knows what it looks like on the other side of the hill. You and I don't know. But God knows what's on the other side of the hill, and he knows what's best for us. Sometimes we think we know what's best, but we don't. But when the Holy, we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, he will lead us to pray in accordance to the will of God because God's will is the greatest thing that could ever happen in our life. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to pray the will of God because God only wants the best in your life. Don't be afraid of wanting only what God wants. Because listen to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for you. He loves you. You have no idea the great things that God intends to do in and through your life if you will just stop disobeying him, stop running from him, stop pushing him away from you, and you will start embracing him in your life. What the Holy Spirit's job is, is to move our prayers so that we will pray in accordance to the will of God. Praying in the Holy Spirit is allowing the Holy Spirit to change you to want what God Wants so that you abandon your plans and you adopt his plans in your life. Now, you know what? There are times in all of our lives, no matter how close we might strive to get to, to, get to God, there are times in all of our lives we do not know the will of God. There are times in my life I don't have the slightest idea of what the will of God is. And when those days come for me, I run to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and, and verses 26 and 27, and listen to what he says. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. What weakness? We do not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. He actually prays, the Holy Spirit actually prays for us with groans that words cannot express. He prays on our behalf with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. What does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? Praying in the Spirit is praying in the will of God led by the Holy Spirit in our life. Jude says, learn how to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. Learn how to let the Holy Spirit direct your prayer life so that it changes what you want to align what you want with the will of of God. There is a third thing that Jude says, and it's this, keep yourself in the love of God. See what he says? Verse 21, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Now, when I read that verse, 
I immediately thought of Romans chapter 8, and, and it seems to say something a little different. In Romans chapter 8, look at what it says in verses 38 and 39. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth or anything else in all of creation. This takes in everything. Nothing that we would experience in our life will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing that can separate us from God's love. Amen? How could we live otherwise? He says to us that no Christ is Savior. Nothing in our lives can separate us from the love of God. Well, since that's true, What does Jude mean then when he says, keep yourselves in the love of God? I believe that what Jude is actually saying is this, keep yourself in the place of God's blessing. Keep yourself under that love that that is guiding and protecting your life. And last night as I was thinking about this, I thought about an umbrella, so I brought an umbrella with me. And here's what I'm saying. You and I can live in such a way that we live under the blessing of God. Isn't that right? But there are times in which, in, there, there are times in our life in which we are disobeying God and we are unblessable. Don't sit there and look holy at me because I already know this about you too. All of us in this room have times in which we're unblessable. We have gotten out from under the umbrella of God, and we have disobeyed God. God wants to bless us, and he, he pours the love of God in protection of us. Now, I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine everything around us is just raining all the bad stuff around us in this world, and all the bad stuff about life is just raining down, but we're protected under the umbrella of the love of God. Are you grasping this? under the blessing of God. But it is possible for us to get out from under this umbrella. God still loves us, but we are disobeying Him. We are out from under the blessing of God. And Jude is saying, now I want you to keep yourself under that blessing. I want you to keep yourself under this love of God. Uh, This last week on uh, Friday night, we had two of our grandchildren that spent the night with us, uh, Benjamin, who is six, and Jack Mark, who is four. And it just so happens that Benjamin's in this room right now. And I'm going to ask Benjamin, would you stand up right now and put your hands up? I want everybody to see who you are. There he is right there. Isn't he cute? He is such a great guy. Thank you, Benjamin. Now, Benjamin and Jack Mark were at our house on Friday night. And every time grandchildren are at our house, we have the same we have the same schedule that we use. Uh, we have dinner, and then they get baths, and then and then uh, get all ready for, for bed, and then we have movie night with Poppy. We got movie night. We had movie night Friday night. We, we watched The Lion King, but it got a little scary at one point, so we had to turn it off real fast. 
I had forgotten about that scary part, and so we turned it off. But we, we then had finished movie night. It was a great time. We had a great time with each other. Then we sat, we were sitting on the floor. There's Kathy, me, and there's, little, there's Ben, and there's, there's Jack Mark, and we're sort of getting some directions. We're about to go to bed, about to have our prayer time, and we're about to go to bed, and we had a little directions. Now, they go, they go to bed immediately. They're so great. Our kid, the kids are all the same. They all just go immediately to sleep. But what we said to them is, in the morning, when you wake up, you cannot come out of your room, sneak down the hallway, and go into your brother's room who's in a different room and wake him up. You cannot do that. Now, when you wake up in the morning, you can turn the light on if you want, and you can play with all the toys. And our house is a toy store. We have toys in every room, and there's so many toys, it's unbelievable. So you can play with the toys as long as you want, but you can't come out of the room. If you come out of the room, there's consequences. So what consequences? See, we have the same strategy every, every time they come. In the morning, Kathy makes this great breakfast. It's just incredible. Got, got, got uh, uh, scrambled eggs and cinnamon rolls. Every morning that we have children in our home, we have cinnamon rolls every single day morning. It's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. Now, there's other things that she has. There's fruit and stuff. We ignore all that stuff. It's the cinnamon rolls. We got cinnamon rolls. So, here's what we said. If, if you come out of the room, see, Nana has radar. I don't know how she does it. You, you could jump on the bed. If I'm asleep, I'm not going to wake up. But, but if, if you open a door in the house, Nana wakes up immediately. She's got radar. It's just amazing. It's absolutely, I don't even, I can't even explain it. So, if you open the door, Nana will know. And if you open the door, go down the hallway, no cinnamon rolls for you. I know. And as soon as we said it, there was a shutter in the entire room. No cinnamon rolls. It's like this. Here is this umbrella of cinnamon rolls. And if you get out from under it, no cinnamon rolls. Can I tell you something? Everyone cooperated the next morning. I didn't even leave our room. I dared not. I'm I'm not giving up my cinnamon rolls. I don't want to take any chances. And here's what God is saying to you and me. You and I experience the love of God all the time, protection of God that sometimes we don't even know all the stuff He does for us, this blessing of God. You get out here. And the blessing comes to an end, and the discipline comes. And notice what he says is the discipline in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. He says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Even in the discipline, he loves us. But he, he begins to take away the blessings. There's a third thing that he tells us, and that is reach out to others. Notice what he says in Jude 1, verse 22 and 23, and have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. 
And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Now, can't go in total detail about this, but how many of you know someone who does not not know Jesus as their Savior? You know somebody who doesn't know Jesus. He says you and I have a responsibility to reach them. To reach out to someone who does not know Jesus and bring them to Christ. He says, we know someone who doesn't know Jesus. We know someone who is having serious doubts about life and God and, and if he's there and, and if he's there for them. Some of them are even opposing God and slandering Jesus and his followers. You and I have the responsibility to reach other people who do not know Christ, even snatching them from the fire, he says. I know how Christians are. I know how we are. And sometimes people say, you know, that's somebody else. That's not me. I, I wouldn't even begin to know what to say. I, I wouldn't even know how to share Christ with somebody else. Over the last few years in this church, we have, tra- we have taught over 1,400 adults how to share your faith. And if you don't know how to share your faith, it's so easy, it's unbelievable. It's so simple, it's absolutely amazing. It's three circles, and we show you how to do, how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in the easiest way you've ever imagined. I can't believe it. It is so simple. And how to communicate that so simply to someone else, and how they can so simply understand it. It's called Gospel Conversation Workshop, Gospel Conversation Training, and we have another time this coming Saturday morning, and just in a few hours, you can know what maybe you have not understood how to communicate to someone else, and you've got to do this. You've got to be a part of this part of growing in your faith, of learning how to share with someone who does not know Jesus Christ, how they can know Jesus Christ too. Open your heart to it. Come this Saturday. And on the Missouri City campus, you can come to Sugarland campus and, and go to the Next Step Center and you can, you'll, someone will explain to you where it is, how to get there, and be a part of the Gospel Conversation Workshop this Saturday morning. What does he say to us? He says, grow in your faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Stay under the umbrella of God's love and blessing. And fourth, share Christ with others. Now, there is a part of this that is God's responsibility. This is our responsibility, but what is God's? What's God's part in changing me? Listen to what he says in Jude chapter 1, verse 24. To God who is able to keep you from falling... To God who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Very quickly, let me share with you two things. We can't go into the detail I wish. I need another 45 minutes, but just for a few minutes. First of all, God gives us assurance of our salvation. This is what he tells us. God gives us assurance of our salvation. Jude chapter 124, God is able to keep you from falling. He begins the book of Jude in Jude chapter 1, verse 1. God keeps you safe in the care of Jesus. 
And he ends the book of Jude by saying God is able to keep you from falling. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will, not maybe, not hope so, well, perhaps God will help you. No, he says he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until that day that you are with Jesus Christ. John says it this way, 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, they went out from us because they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. What in the world is John saying? John is saying this, it is possible for some to pretend, I know Jesus is my Savior, but not really know him. And they can carry on the ruse for a while, and, but, he's, but John says there's a day that comes in which they say, no, i, I got to leave here. I don't want anything to do with Jesus Christ. At first I thought I did, but now I am leaving here. And John says this. He says they went out from us because they didn't really belong to us. They just put on airs. They just pretended to know Jesus as Savior. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. What John is saying is, is that if we are saved and we know it, then our life will surely show it. Our life will demonstrate Jesus if we truly know Jesus as our Savior. John is saying that ultimately those who walk away from God give evidence that they were never truly a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what John is saying. So what I'm saying is this. It's not just profession of faith that's the issue. A person who comes to know Jesus Christ, their lives begin to show, to demonstrate that God truly lives inside their heart. Listen to what Jesus then said. John chapter 10, verse 27, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they can never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. The moment I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, committed my heart to Him, I want to live for you the rest of my life. I became I was placed into the hand of God the Father, and His hand is keeping me safe. And then Jesus' hand is over His hand, and I am even double safe. That's what Jesus is describing. And He says, no one can snatch me out of my Father's hand. What is He saying? I'm safe and secure in the hand of my Father. I have an assurance of my salvation. This is the first thing that Jude is talking about with God. God keeps us safe in His hand. Second of all, he says that God gives to us His Holy Spirit to dwell within us. He's already mentioned the Holy Spirit in this passage. Listen to what Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says, but if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, God will also give 
life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. What this passage, what what Paul is teaching us in Romans chapter 8 is that the moment we receive Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. We talk about it as being Jesus has come to live in our heart. It is the Holy Spirit who has come to live in our lives. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. He empowers us. He gives you spiritual gifts. He teaches you. He leads you. He strengthens you. There is the presence of God living inside of you. One of my most favorite passages in all the Bible is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil, meaning that, that, that separation from God, removed. He's talking about the temple and that veil that was between the holy of holies and the, the holy place. That veil has been removed can see and even reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. What he is describing is, is that moment that that Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you and me. He begins to change us from the inside out so that we become more and more to be just like Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2.13 says this, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. God gives us the want to and the can do to do His will. So here's what I'm saying to you. Let Him fill your life. The filling of the Holy Spirit isn't getting more of Him. It is allowing Him to get more of you. And the more you yield your heart to the control of the Holy Spirit of God, the more power He fills you with. This is what God is up to. God is keeping you safe. And God, by His Spirit, has come to live inside of you to change you from the inside out. You have a part. You have a part in changing you. And God has a part in changing you. And this morning... You begin the whole journey by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. Would you make that decision? I want Jesus in my heart. I commit my life to Christ. And if you know Christ is your Savior, I'm going to become more attentive to the things in my life that need to change for me to be transformed into the image of of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity today to hear what Jude is teaching us. Now, God, move in hearts. Get us in your word. Get us yielding ourselves to you, staying under the umbrella of your provision and of your blessing. God, move in our heart that we would open up our lips to begin sharing Christ with others. Oh, God, begin changing our life from the inside out. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.